Welcome to the CMC Podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to be a doer of the Word. Today's message is brought to you by our associate pastor, Paul Kern. Well, welcome to church. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, as Pastor Tim was saying, man, I'm ready to get into the Word. You know, this year, the direction for our church is all about kingdom living. That's what we're talking about, living in God's kingdom. And you know, that looks like a life of joy and peace and goodness. That, that's what kingdom living is all about. You know, one of the prayers that Jesus prayed was, Our Father, help me, who art in heaven, hallowed will be thy name. Thy what? Kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, you know, God wants literally the atmosphere and the government of heaven to rule and reign here in this world. And that's why we're talking so much about this, because we want a church full of people that have joy, <laughs> amen, and people that are full of faith and people that have hope for their future. You know, that's, that's healthy, right? You know, healthy is having all of those aspects. And we want a church that's healthy spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. You know, God wants all of those parts of who we are being healthy. And here's one thing that I know about healthy things, and you've probably heard this before, but this is so true. Healthy things grow. They grow. Things that are dying aren't growing, but things that are living, things that are healthy, they're growing and they're moving forward. As a matter of fact, you can actually use growth as a barometer to indicate whether or not something is healthy. If something isn't growing, then it most likely isn't healthy. And, I, and I'm not just talking about like growing taller, although some of us pray that, you know, we, we could grow taller. I'm praying that I will stop shrinking, actually. But I don't know what happens, but apparently you start out doing good, and then it's kind of like a rocket ship loses all of its... You know, so I'm praying that I either stay where I'm at or keep uh, going up. But, you know, God wants us to grow. And, and, you know, I think about plants. Plants grow, and plants that are growing are considered healthy. And they, they grow in the direction of bearing fruit, fulfilling their purpose. You know, that's the whole, the whole point of a plant is to be healthy so that it will fulfill its potential and its purpose in bearing fruit. Trees are the same way. They grow, they're considered healthy. That, that growth helps them uh, fulfill their purpose in bearing fruit. For an, ex for an example, a pecan tree is healthy if it's bearing pecans, right? Producing pecans. A tomato plant is healthy if it is producing a tomato, which is a fruit, which is very confusing to me. Who thought, who did that? I just want to know. You know, we sit around contemplating the deep issues of life. Who called a tomato a fruit? I mean, I didn't even find this out until I was in my 20s. I found out a tomato is a fruit. No, that, that, that makes no sense to me. A tomato ought to be a vegetable. But anyway, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fruit. So get back to my point, that has nothing to do with anything that I'm talking about. But, it, but every living thing is considered to be healthy when it's growing and producing fruit the way that it was intended. Why? Because healthy things grow. That's just what healthy things do. 
So if growth is an indication of health, then we're most healthy when we are producing fruit as a believer in our lives. We're, we're the healthiest that we can possibly be when we're producing fruit. <clears throat> but you know, just like somebody got really confused about calling a tomato a fruit, people, human beings, we confuse what real fruit looks like a lot. You know, because I think sometimes as people, we think that bearing fruit is getting a new car or a new house or being able to afford a nice vacation or maybe getting a raise or a promotion or graduating with a degree from college. You know, we're in that time of the year, we're moving into May and lots of people are getting their degrees. And congratulations to all of our graduates, by the way. We're so happy for you guys. You've put in a lot of time, yeah. A lot of time, a lot of time. And that's definitely something to be proud of. And, and that, that is a fruit in your life, but, but the kind of fruit that God is focused on and is important to God, not that any of those things that I mentioned aren't good things, because they are good things, but once again, sometimes we, as people, we tend to get the cart before the horse because the fruit that God wants us to have in our lives is the fruit of the Spirit. Those are the fruit that are important to the Lord. And in Galatians chapter 5, we find where the fruit of the Spirit are listed. But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and there's nine of them, right? Love, joy, peace long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and help me with the last one, self-control. Self-control. So a healthy, growing Christ follower should have these fruit hanging off of the limbs of their life, right? They should be seen in our relationships with our mate, Husbands and wives should be seen in our relationship with our children, with our friends, co-workers. It should be seen with, uh, you know, people that we interact with on a daily basis. <clears throat> and and just, like, just like plants don't bear fruit without being planted and cared for, the fruits of the Spirit aren't just going to grow in our lives naturally. They have to be and the term that they talk about in horticulture is cultivated. They have to be cultivated. Now, when, when you cultivate something, you nurture it. You encourage it. You foster it. You know, I don't know if y'all ever noticed this, and we're moving into that time of the year. <clears throat> the first thing that, that begins growing when springtime starts coming in, when you come out of winter into spring, the first thing that starts growing is weeds. Weeds. Weeds start growing. And the interesting thing about weeds, you don't have to plant them. I've never gone and got a little package of weed seed and planted them in my garden. But yet, there they are. And you ask yourself, wait, I did not plant those. I planted tomatoes, I planted squash, I planted cucumbers, I planted 
corn. I did not plant seeds, but the seeds uh, here of these weeds coming up, but they're just naturally there. But you know what? That doesn't happen with fruit. It doesn't happen with vegetables. You literally have to plant those seeds, and then you have to protect them, right? You have to watch over them. You have to till up the soil. You have to add fertilizer and water. You have to make sure that they don't get too much sun. They get enough sun, not too much water, but enough water. You've got to make sure that the bugs don't carry them away. You have to make sure the deer don't come and eat them up. I mean, it's a, it's a job. Any of you getting ready to plant a garden, let me tell you, I grew up doing them, okay? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work producing fruit. And you have to be really, really intentional if you're going to produce fruit. So I, I want to talk about the kind of fruit that God wants us to produce in our life, and that's the fruit of the Spirit. And, and, and there's countless ways that this can happen, okay? Just a myriad of ways. But I, I want to talk about three areas, at least for me, in my walk with the Lord that I feel like have been some of the most important areas for growing and producing fruit in my life, okay? And I'm going to give you three. So for those of you that are taking notes, today, the title of my message is Teachability, Correctability, and Humility. Teachability, Correctability, and Humility. And these are three areas or three attributes that I think are so important for all of us if we're going to bear the kind of fruit that God wants us to bear. So let's start out with teachability. Let's look at these. First off, you have to be teachable. And to be teachable, you have to have a desire to become better. See, that, that's what makes you teachable is the desire to be better, to get better, Right? See, teachable people want their lives to be better tomorrow than they are today. You know, five years from now, I want my life to be better. Not, I don't want it to be the same. I want it to be better. I certainly don't want it to be worse, right? I want it to be, to be better. So, you have to, so if you want to be a better husband, you have to have a desire to be that. If you want to be a better wife, you have to desire. If you want to be a better uh, employee or a better friend, you have to have a desire to want to have that in your life. See, teachable people have a strong desire to be better, and they have a strong desire to be better in all situations. Because there's times where situations are favorable to be better, and then there's many times that situations are not favorable to be better. As a matter of fact, situations push you in a direction to be worse, not to be better. To bear the fruit of the carnal man, not the fruit of the spirit, right? And so teachable people have a strong desire to grow. And, and, and that belief becomes the fuel behind your teachability, See, that belief is what is the passion, the desire that pushes you to get better. Another desire that's necessary in teachability is the desire to change. Yeah, a desire to change. And, and, and you know, the longer that you live, the easier it is to get stuck. You know, I grew up on a farm, and, 
And, you know, so many of our roads out on the farm were dirt roads. You know, they we didn't have paved roads. We had dirt roads. And you'd just cut a trail. And the way you cut a trail is you went down the same path repeated times over and over and over again. And eventually, over time, you have ruts that begin to form. And when it rains, the, the, the soil softens. And when you drive over it, the ruts get a lot deeper. And before you know it, if you're not careful, if you kind of keep going in the same path all the time, you can get stuck in a rut. That's where that term comes from, right? Stuck in a rut. And what happens is, is, is when you lose your desire to change, you get stuck in a rut. You get stuck in your ways. And, and some people are like that. And no matter how much you try to convince them to change, they won't change because they're stuck where they are. And, and where they are has become comfortable for them, familiar for them. They're, in other words, they're comfortable with their level of health. They're, they're comfortable with their level of income. They're comfortable with their level of joy and peace and happiness and content. You know, they've become comfortable in those areas. But here's the thing, and it's so important that we, you know, that we recognize this and we understand this, <clears throat> comfortable can become a grave. It, it, it can become a place that you no longer are moving forward because you, get, you just get comfortable. Comfortable and familiar won't walk you up the steps to the dream in your life that you're wanting to walk into. And the third desire that is needed in teachability is the desire to learn. It's important that we always keep an appetite to learn new things. I love that. That's one of the things I really like about our lead pastor. That, this is one of Tim's really strong qualities that he has. He just refuses to keep doing it the same way all the time. And that's what has helped keep our church fresh. That's what has helped keep our church alive. Aren't y'all grateful for that? Aren't you grateful you don't go to a dead church? Come on. That's what keeps new things happening on our campus all the time, new buildings going up. We have a new classroom facility. It's just amazing. It's so awesome that's going up right now. See, you see, teachable people, teachable people, they, they have a desire to learn. They have an appetite for new things, even things that don't necessarily come natural to your personality. For example, patience does not come natural to my personality. It doesn't. You know, I get, that's why y'all don't call me PP, right? I'm not patient Paul. You don't call me PP. Nobody call me PP. This doesn't, it's not something that, that comes naturally to me. So if, if, if I'm going to be a healthy, growing follower of Christ, then one of the fruit of the spirits that are supposed to be cultivated in my life is patience. So impatience is a weed, naturally grows. Patience is a fruit, has to be cultivated, nurtured, pr produced over time. 
So, but I have, to, I have to have a willingness to be teachable in that area of my life. See, teachability requires a willingness to learn. And at the end of the day, my success, and at the end of the day, your success is going to be determined by two things. And you can write this down. Number one, your desire to learn. And number two, your willingness to change. That's how you're going to grow. That's how you're going to be a person who is teachable. That's, that's how it works. And here's an important fact. If your teachability is consistently low, then you're probably going to struggle throughout your entire life moving forward and, and accomplishing the dreams and goals in your life that God has for you because teachability is such an important factor in life. I love being around young kids. And I love being around young students. You know why? They're hungry for knowledge. They like to learn. As a matter of fact, little kids, you know, when they're growing up, y'all, all you parents remember this phase. Why? Why, Mom? Why? Why, Dad? Why? Why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Why does the dog bark? I mean, it's like, oh, you know. But they're hungry for that. But, but something happens somewhere along the way that we begin to lose that desire to learn, to be teachable. So it's important for us to identify what might keep us from growth. And if we're not teachable, we will not grow and fulfill our destinies. See, one of the things that Jesus said in John, I believe chapter 15, he said, I, it is my will that you bear fruit, that you bear, help me, much fruit, and that it is the kind of fruit that will remain. So we see God is a gardener. His will is for us to produce fruit, not just a little fruit, but much fruit. So a little fruit to me would be like two fruit of the Spirit. And a lot of fruit would be all nine of the fruit of the Spirit, right? So my will is for you to produce the fruit of the Spirit and not just a little bit of fruit of the Spirit, but much fruit, and fruit that, help me, remains. Now, that, that's interesting because fruit that remains, to me, would be like multi-generational fruit. That's fruit that outlives you. That's fruit that you invest into other people, a part of who you are is imparted into somebody else and imparted into somebody else and imparted into somebody else. And that's what discipleship looks like. That's what multi-generational fruit looks like. That's what, that's, what, that's what legacy looks like. And so a part of you lives on way after you're gone. That fruit is still being seen. But see, what happens is, is many, many people allow their situations and their circumstances to become an excuse for why they can't bear these fruit. And the fact is, we're all going to encounter roadblocks to teachability. I encounter them all the time, all the time. How many of y'all ever been on vacation? Vacation. Let me see your hands. Vacation. You online, watching, vacation, right? Well, how many of you have ever set out on vacation to get just a little ways into your trip and you hit a roadblock? Annoying. 
I mean, from here to Little Rock right now, <laughs> you know, it's one big giant roadblock. It's really sketchy. Actually, you almost take your life in your own hands traveling that. So don't go that way unless you have to. I mean, it's not good. But we all hit roadblocks on trips, on vacations, on getaways. Nothing more is frustrating than hitting a roadblock. And unfortunately, what should have taken, you know, five hours to arrive at your destination takes eight. Or what, you know, you were going to Florida to the beach and it was supposed to get there in 11 hours and it takes you 15 or 16 to get there because of the roadblocks that you hit. See, roadblocks do that. Roadblocks add hours to trips that should have taken a lot less time to get there. But we all experience roadblocks. And there are roadblocks to teachability. You know, I, th I think a guy that we could use that was a great example to having roadblocks would be King Saul. You know, let's think about King Saul for a minute. I mean, what an incredible guy. I mean, you read about him. I mean, King Saul was a great example of a guy who hit a roadblock on his way to becoming all that God called him to be. Because here's the thing about Saul. If there was ever somebody poised to grace the history books, it should have been Saul. Because he was set up by God, by God, to do big things, big things. I mean, Saul was a man's man. I mean, if there was an ultimate cage fighting event in those times, King Saul would have been the champion. Because this guy was a fighter. He was incredibly gifted just this man's man. For all you ladies in the room, Saul was tall, dark, and handsome. You talk about a ladies' man of ladies' men. I mean, he was the guy that all the women looked at. And not only that, he was smart and he was charismatic and Saul was skilled with all of these, these giftings. See, from the outside looking in, Saul, Saul had everything that was necessary to take him to the history books and make him somebody that everybody could write about of what a really great leader ought to look like. But unfortunately for Saul, that wasn't the case because his internal character didn't match his external abilities. They didn't. And he lacked one thing that mattered most. And it's sad, but he just wasn't teachable. Plenty of opportunities that God gave him to be teachable but he wasn't teachable. But here's the thing. You can have all the right people around you. You can have all the God-given opportunities in the world positioned around you and still miss what God has for you because you lack teachability. And you know, the, the, the hard thing about this is, is that Saul's lack of being teachable didn't just affect Saul. It affected everybody. The whole nation suffered. Saul's leaders suffered. Saul's friends suffered. Everybody suffered all because Saul, even though he had everything going for him that he could possibly have, he wasn't teachable. See, teachability is so important. And when we're not teachable, it equals a lot of frustration for us and for people around us. It, e it equals a lot of pain for us and for people around us. It equals an unfortunate legacy because 
Saul became nothing more than a bad example for us to look at in the history book, which is really sad that it turned out that way. Well, what, what was one of the roadblocks to Saul's teachability? Well, one of the big reasons Saul wasn't able to be taught was because he was prideful. Prideful. And, and, I, and I, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you today up here, that's one of my biggest roadblocks. You know, I think a lot of men, um, honestly, that's a, that's a struggle for them. You know, we don't like asking for directions. We don't like reading instructions. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. We got it together. We know where we're going and we know what we're doing, even if we don't. We do. C.S. Lewis, he's one of my favorite authors, read a lot of his books. He said, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you can't see something that's above you. Wow, what a good statement. See, pride is a major hindrance to everything good in our lives because pride says the rules don't apply to me. That's what pride says. When you get in a situation, you know, Tim and I were talking about, I was, pre I was preaching to him before the service, our lead pastor, and, and um, you know, we were talking about um, this summer, we've got, you guys get ready, we've got some awesome content that we're going to be bringing for our church. It's going to be great. But one of the things that we're going to be talking about, and you don't want to miss our midweek services, because we're going to be talking about the laws of the kingdom, but just like there are natural laws, like the law of gravity, <clears throat> there are spiritual laws. And, you know, I, I don't have to like the law of gravity, but I can't change it. So I have to learn to work within the confinement of that and find the intention and the purpose within it, okay? Well, just like the law of gravity, there's such a thing called the law of sowing and reaping. Right? The scripture says, God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap life and peace. But if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap destruction. So the scripture is very clear about that. But see, a prideful person thinks that that rule, that law doesn't apply to them. That doesn't apply to them. It makes them think that they're above the rules that they're somehow above the law of sowing and reaping in certain situations. In other words, I can be rude to people and I won't reap what that is going to bring me. Or I can be impatient in certain, certain situations with people and I won't reap what that brings to me in my life. But that's simply not true, right? <clears throat> Pride says I don't need anybody's advice, I don't need anybody's counsel because I'm way smarter than other people. Mm. Pride says, um, I, I'm, not gonna I'm not going to expose my weaknesses because I don't want people to see my weaknesses. And, bec and because I don't want them to see my weaknesses, the reason I don't is because my pride won't let me. And therefore, that keeps me from being teachable because I can't get help right? We've all been there. We've all been there. See, teachable people <clears throat> possess the attribute of correctability. 
Correctability. Now, don't get, don't get me wrong, correctability isn't easy. As a matter of fact, it's awful painful because you have to swallow your pride. And, and here's, the, here's the thing about teachability. It often presents itself in the most inconvenient times. Correctability almost always comes when you don't want to be corrected. As a matter of fact, I can think of very few times that I actually did enjoy correction. How about you? As a matter of fact, the Bible says no correction feels good at the time. But what it will produce is what we've got to be looking at. And a person who is teachable and correctable, they won't allow their pride to override the benefit of what can happen if they will receive the correction, right? Whether it be from the Lord or whether it be from other people or whether it be from circumstances. Y'all know in your, you guys that drive pickups on the back, the trailer hitch, you know, that thing comes in and out, right? You got the little pin, Cotter pin, you pop out, you slide it. I've learned when I'm not pulling a trailer, I take that sucker off. You know how many times I've hit my knee on that thing? I mean, right here, right there. And I'm, oh my gosh. And the, and the kind words that come to my mind when that happens. I'm just blessed Jesus, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I mean, you know, though, that's not what comes to my mind. So I've just learned. See, it taught me. It taught me. Now, I can be prideful. I can leave it on. You will tell me what to do. And you keep hitting your leg every time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <clears throat> See, feedback. Life is constantly giving us feedback. In every situation, we're getting feedback. Feedback is constantly coming because in life, there's a give and a take. There's a yin and a yang. There's an opening and a closing. There's a pushing and then there's a pulling back. There's a reaction in every element of life. So life is constantly giving us feedback, but, but swallowing our pride is absolutely necessary if we're going to grow and be healthy. But here's the thing, as, as painful as it may be to swallow your pride and receive correction to humble yourself in that moment, it's not nearly as painful as the consequences of not swallowing your pride will produce in your relationships, on your job, with your friends, later down life's way. See, it really gets hard then. See, teachable people, they, they have learned to welcome feedback. Feedback from people around them, even when they don't necessarily like the feedback. And there's times I've gotten feedback that I did not like. I've had coworkers give me feedback that I did not want to get. You know, as a parent, your kids give you feedback. They're like a little mirror, little feedback mirror. I remember my boys following me around, and I would tell them, don't do that. Don't do what I do. Don't do that. You know, but they're, they're literally, they're like little mirrors. They just kind of reflect what you say, how you act, what you do. It's, it's really cool that God put that in our life for us to get a real picture of kind of how we act. 
See, pride says, you know, I'm going to go ahead with the good instead of waiting on the best. I got an idea. I don't feel like waiting. I'm impatient. So I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to do that now. I'm going to buy that now. I'm going to pull the trigger on that now. And really now is not when you need to do it. It's not necessarily going to shipwreck you. It's not going to break you. It's not going to take you under. That relationship isn't necessarily, you know, ungodly. It's just not best. It's just not the best timing. You know, you can do the right thing at the wrong time. See, we look at Saul's situation, it's sad. Saul had everything that he needed. He had an army at his disposal of the, uh, at his disposal of the best men ever. I mean, elite fighting men, generals and captains and leaders. I'm talking about smart guys that were all around him. It had to be, had to be. Saul had a whole kingdom of wise counsel that he could have gotten from friends and and co-workers and people that worked within his kingdom that he could have gotten. Saul, Saul had a man in his life by the name of Samuel who gave him God's heart and God's instruction even. Now, I mean, does it get any better than that? I mean, he, God positioned Saul with everything that he needed. But instead of allowing those things to bring him feedback and correction in his life, he was blinded by his own pride, and he did things his way instead of doing it God's way. And he got the results of doing it his way. Shouldn't have been any surprise to him, although it was a surprise to him. And see, that, that, that's what is sad about people who don't have an ability to read feedback. See, I didn't have the ability to read it when I was lost. Well, what's wrong with me smoking this? What's, my, what's wrong with me drinking this? What's wrong with me hanging around these people? What's wrong with me treating people like that? What's wrong with me thinking that, watching that, participating in that? What's wrong with it? See, I, I was unable to read feedback. I, pride had, it's like earplugs. I couldn't hear. People, my mom would tell me, people would tell me, you're going the wrong way, you're doing the wrong thing, you're about to make a big mistake. No, I'm not. Rules don't apply to me. You know, we counsel people in ministry, and we have people come to us and, you know, marital problems and problems with their children and whatever. And you know what? It, the, 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 usually the sad thing is, is that it's obvious to a lot of other people why your child is being rebellious or why, why you're having problems in your marriage or why you're struggling in the area of your finances. It's pretty obvious to a lot of people except them. They can't see it. It's like they're blinded to it. See, pride keeps us from being able to see. It keeps us from being able to receive corrections from our mates, which usually is not the most pleasant thing in the world. It'll keep you from receive, receiving correction from your children because they can correct you too, mom and dad. Or correction from our friends or our coworkers or even the Lord. See, teachability and correctability 
will cause you to notice the people that God has placed into your life to help you. And the people that God has placed into our life to help us, they're not always going to say it the nice way. They're not always going to say, honey, sweetie, honey, pie, sugar, you know, you're... Well, you know, I don't want to come across too hard, but, you know, you're, you're about to make a little mistake here. And no, they, it doesn't always work that way. Whether you're married or whether you're single, whatever. The way to grow healthy fruit in your spiritual life depends on your ability to be teachable and correctable. And you, you can read this in people, Okay. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, but you can read it in people to know whether they're teachable and correctable or whether they're not. You know, I watch this. I, I, I'm, my wife and I, were over Leaders Academy here. It's our college-age internship. And we have young people come from all over the country, and they stay with us on campus for nine months. And, you know, we teach them life skills and give them a biblical worldview, and they get rooted in the Lord. It's just an incredible experience. As a matter of fact, here in a couple of weeks, they're going to be graduating. They're coming to the end of their time. It's just been a great group. But, but I watch them when they come in, when they first get here on campus. And I, I watch them. I look at them. I look at them the first week and the second week and the third week. I, I, watch, it, I watch them, how they interact with their peers, how they respond, what they look like in class. And and, and, and one of the things that you can read about a person who is teachable and correctable is their posture. Because a person who is teachable and correctable, they, they have a posture that leans in. You know, I'll have students, they'll come to class, you know, they're leaning in, they're on the front row, they got their Bible open, they're there early, they got their notepad ready to go, they're teachable, they're paying attention, they're hungry, they're hungry. They love knowledge. They want to learn. They want to grow. But then there's another posture. You know, they kind of drag into class. They might make it their own time. I have to tell them three or four times, okay, get your computer out, get your laptop out, get your notes out, open your Bible, go here. You know, did you read your assignment? Well, you know, I was going to get around to it, and I didn't make it. And, you know, maybe next week I might get around to it. And then as you're talking, they're on their phone, or they're looking at somebody else's computer, or they're laughing and goofing off, or they're kind of laid back in their chair like this. And, you know, it, it, it communicates, right? Posture. It, it communicates to people. I think it communicates to the people that we're around and it communicates to the Lord. And a wise person recognizes strengths and giftings in other people and they posture themselves in such a way that they're able to grab hold of those resources. See, they seek out that. I mean, I have interns, literally, they want to have a meeting. I have some of the same interns want to have a meeting with me about every other week. Hey, Paul, can I have a meeting with you? Can I have a meeting with you? And you know what I always tell them? Of course, you bet. Because here's the thing about teachable, correctable people. You want to teach them. It's fun. And you want to be around. It's like a magnet with opposite poles. You're drawn to them. But you know people who don't have that posture... It's like turning them the other way around. It's just, it just, it just pushes you away. 
And that's how I was. That's how I was before I got saved. See, I'd gotten myself into a position where I was not mentorable. Oh, I need a mentor. Are you mentorable? Are you teachable? Are you correctable? Are you humble? See, a wise person recognizes this. See, pride prevents that growth. In, in James 4.10, for example, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Psalms 25.9, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. The Bible has a lot to say about humility. It seems to be one of, probably one of the most important attributes that God desires for us to have. Why humility? Well, because humility or the act of being humble, it will lead you to a place of exaltation. And God wants to exalt his kids. God doesn't want his kids living in a gutter, eating trash out of a pigsty, like I was doing before I got saved. I was the prodigal, right? I took myself there. That was not God's will for my life. God wanted me to be blessed. God wanted the robe of righteousness on me and the shoes of peace and, you know, the big ring of authority and re restoration and fellowship with my father. That's all the desire that God had for me. But because I did not have a teachable spirit, I, I wasn't able to make that connection. Now, here's a very important quality about humility, because humility is what causes us to be open to feedback. And you can write this down. A teachable spirit is a teachable spirit regardless of the teacher. Because sometimes the teacher is not the teacher that we would have picked. But see, if you're going to grow in teachability and correctability and humility, then you've got to come to a place where you just don't, you just don't tolerate feedback. You welcome it. Now, I'm working on this, right? I'm 56. I'm being honest with you. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But teachable people see feedback as a friend, not a threat. I'm going to say that again. Teachable people see feedback as a friend, not a threat. I'm going to say that again because I need to hear it a third time. Teachable people see feedback as a friend, not an enemy, not a threat. I read one of John Maxwell's books. He writes a lot of leadership books. Really good author. I recommend him for leadership for sure. Here's what he said, be willing to accept feedback and criticism without defending yourself, otherwise you'll only receive it once. We've all heard our lead pastor say, if you're in a marriage relationship and you won't take advice, or every time you're given advice, you just make it very difficult for the other person to give it, then basically what's going to happen is they're going to stop given it. And the bad thing about that is, is Proverbs says, the wise person surrounds himself with much counsel because there's wisdom in counsel. So what inevitably happens because of our pride and our lack of being teachable and correctable, we literally cut off wisdom out of our life because so many times God's going to use primary people in our life to speak that into our life. And it doesn't say that they're going to do it in the nice, pleasant way all the time. 
It doesn't happen that way. I mean, I wish it did, but, it, but it just, that's just not life. That's not how life works. So learning to receive feedback and not have a closed off mind to it or a clenched jaw to it is a sign that you're healthy and growing. Unable to receive feedback is a sign that you are in trouble, my friend. You are the guy who has separated himself from the vine. You are no longer connected and getting the sap that's going to make you have green leaves and bear good fruit. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now, I'm going to share with you what I'm working on currently, okay? So don't anybody come pick on me about this. Just leave me alone. Be nice to me. But I'm I'm going to share with you personally what I'm working on in my own life and, I, and, I, and hopefully what I'm working on will be something that will benefit you and you can relate to what I'm talking about and, and I, I really feel like it will. I really feel like it's common to pretty much people in general. But listen, our goal has to be in, any, in anything that we're doing and it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like right now I'm building a house. Whew. It's a lot of decisions all the time. And, you know, my wife and I both hold down full-time jobs. So, you know, we get home at 5 o'clock, we're exhausted, and we're building a house. Some of you have done this, you know what I'm talking about. So the, the goal is, and, and, and what people often do is they, they lose sight of the forest because of the tree. But my goal is, is not just to build a house, it's to get the wind in building it. Y'all look like me like you don't understand what I'm saying. Okay, so my goal is, is to stay married. How's that? You get that one? And, and, not, and not just stay married, but to have a happy home. Oh, and it, I didn't know it was this hard. It wasn't this hard before I started building the house. But now all of a sudden it has become uh, exercise in cultivation. I mean, I literally have to cultivate having that where before this, it kind of, just kind of more naturally uh, was coming to me. So we, the, when I'm going to say it again, the goal is getting the win, not just in whatever we ordered or whatever we're trying to do, but the goal is getting the win in our attitude, in our relationships with people that we are fulfilling purpose with. That's the win. So number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Refuse to get defensive no matter what is said. This is number one for me. I'm working on it. I'm not there. I'm working on it. Because my natural reaction is to fight back, to give a comeback, to have a response, a reaction, to be defensive, to give my explanation as to why. See, getting defensive while receiving feedback is one of the surest ways to guarantee that a person will stop giving you feedback. I am not, I'm I'm actually a pretty detailed kind of guy. Really? Stop laughing, Nathan. It's not funny. Nathan's helping me build my house. He's back there laughing at me. I'm actually kind of a detailed kind of guy, but I'm not nearly as detailed as my wife is. I mean, whoo, she sees everything. Now, she, she can look over a lot of things, but she just, 
she has an eye to see things like that. And, and, and so I have to remind myself constantly that criticism to one of my ideas or my thoughts or something that is going on isn't necessarily a put down. It can actually help make it better if we will let it. See, if you can take criticism to heart and not get defensive, it can be a guide in your life to taking you into the very best that God wants for you. Or it can become the very thing that divides you and makes your life miserable. Now, we're talking about kingdom living. If you're going to live in the kingdom, you've got to refuse to get defensive no matter what is said. Number two, you've got to manage your countenance. Hmm. And your, I'm not done, because that's a hard one right there. You've got to manage your countenance and your tone. Oh, my wife has said to me so many times, babe, your tone, your tone, your tone, your tone. I mean, I've heard it so many times. I'm thinking, surely I would be getting better at this by now, but I don't know if I am. Your countenance and your tone. If you're the kind of person that always wears your feelings on your sleeves, then that's good and it's bad. And I'm going to give you the good and the bad. The good is because people always know where you stand on something. The bad is people always know where you stand on something. And sometimes people don't need to know where you stand on something. You just need to, you know, it's called HR, human relations. You know, you have to practice that in marriage and with your children and on the job and with friends. I mean, it's everywhere. It's like you're on the inside, you're like, but on the outside, yeah, it's good. The third thing, this is a big one. Be willing to receive feedback even when you don't like how it's being delivered. Mm. Mm. Even if you don't, and I have to admit, it's hard. This is hard for me. It's hard for me. See, sometimes the best feedback that we can ever get is delivered in a way that hurts us or offends us. I don't know if y'all know this about our pastor's wife, Terry Brooks. She's pretty blunt. She don't throw no punches. She don't beat around the bush. You can, the thing about Terry is what you see is what you get. And I love that about Terry. She's the real deal. She's genuine and she's authentic. And I love her. I have a hard time with plastic people. And there have been some times that our pastor's wife has said some things to me that I didn't like. Now, she was correct in what she said. Don't get me wrong, she was right, but I didn't like it because it was direct. She don't beat around the bush, you know. But here's the thing, I can get mad about it, I can avoid her, I can get bitter at her, I can get upset at her, I can remove her from my life, or I can say, God, thank you that I've got some people in my life that love me enough to tell me how the cow eats the cabbage. Come on. Come on. 
I'm thankful that I've got some people in my life that'll just tell me. Because sometimes our pride gets in the way and we just can't see it. Like I said, pride's like, it's like earplugs. It's like blinders. And sometimes we got to have people come up, pop the earplugs out. Hey, buddy, pull the glasses off. Hey, bro, take a look. Look at what you've done here. Look at, look at what you're producing here. And see, the difficult thing is, here's the difficult thing, church. Our fruit of the Spirit is produced during times of adversity. That's when they're cultivated. It's when we're in those situations that we want to produce the fruit of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is produced in those moments. And that leads me to number four, don't lose sight of the big picture. And this is the last one, because it's easy to lose sight of what's important when we're dealing with problems. We just lose focus. We, get, we can easily get lost in the frustration of our circumstances. And when we do that, that's when our flesh takes over. And that's when we're in trouble. See, that's when we stop growing. That's when we stop growing. See, a person who is teachable, correctable, and humble, they recognize that there's a lot more at stake than just what they're trying to get accomplished. There's a lot more at stake when they experience conflict or they face problems or they deal with setbacks and delays or even when they're having relationship issues. They understand how important it is for them to win over their flesh because it's the, in that process that God is refining us. That's the refiner's fire. Romans 5.3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope and salvation. James 1, 2 through 4, My brethren, count it all joy when you face various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Malachi 3, 2, But who will be able to endure when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. And you know what? God says oftentimes we, aim, we entertain angels unaware. And sometimes that blazing fire and that refiner's soap is your child, your boss, your wife, your husband, your friend, your job, and your circumstances. It's not an angel that's glowing. It's just everyday, come on, it's everyday life. Let me wrap up. Nobody ever drifted up to the doorstep of their dream life. Teachability, correctability, humility is a choice. It's a choice. And when these attributes are a part of the core of our life, when there's something that we're cultivating, then we can achieve the things and the fruit that God wants us to achieve. So the next time that you're under pressure, and it could be this week, maybe coming, maybe right around the corner, it could be tomorrow morning. The next time you're under pressure, you may be right in the middle of it right now in your marriage with your teenager, with an illness, with a pain in your body, with a struggle, with a doubt, with a fear, with an insecurity. I don't know what it is, but you have to remember this. These attributes... They're formed under trial. That's where they come. They're formed under trial. It says it is a test of our endurance. The question is, what grade are we going to make? 
Will we pass or will we fail? Because if we fail, we're going to take the test again because God's not going to advance anybody. He's not like certain school systems that just push you forward. God's going, God's going to make sure you know it before he advances you. Will you allow your carnal nature to take over and fail in that moment of testing? Or will you bring God glory and bear fruit of the Spirit when you put your circumstance there, when you have to deal with that? See, let's make it our main goal. Not to get this or buy this or go here or do that or achieve this. Let's make it our main goal to have teachability, correctability, and humility. Amen? Amen. Did y'all get something out of this? Stand with me this morning. I took you over today, so you're going to be extra hungry for lunch today, moms. Once again, thank you, moms. We love you. God bless you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for our mothers. I just speak a blessing over them today. We're so grateful for them, God. Lord, we pray that we can honor you with our lives. Go before us this week. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the CMC podcast. If you'd like to watch our sermons live or looking for more information about our church, visit cmcchurch.com or follow us on Facebook at Christian Ministries Church.